It certainly was, and I'm wondering if the NHL sent out a memo about the trade deadline being rescheduled to today. That's how crazy it's been, and Friday is basically going to be a recap, and they're going to have to fill time uh, with the TSN panel like they did the one year where they'll all bring in their Harvey's Burgers, and we'll be watching O-Dogs sitting there eating and... You're now listening to the Voice in the Booth podcast with your hosts, Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. That's a big one. That's a big one. Yeah. Good evening and welcome to episode 161 of the podcast. Cody, Abrams, and Melbourne with you for this one as we're getting closer to the NHL trade deadline, but we feel like it's already kind of happened with the flurry of moves that have happened today. Before we get into all of that, uh, boys, how we doing? Doing good, Hart. Just came back from a trip to uh, Mont-Tremblant, got a lot of skiing in, lots of fresh powder, and... uh, Lots of other shenanigans, so it was a good weekend for me. How you doing, Chad? Very nice. Same here. Good weekends uh, all around. Had the place to myself. Paige was skiing as well, but uh, in Ottawa, so had the place to myself and just enjoyed a lot of video games and relaxing, and it was great. So, yeah, great weekend. Crazy day, Harper. You mentioned it right off the top. We're recording this on Tuesday. It'll be out uh, as soon as I can on Wednesday. It felt like the trade deadline was today, even though it's at 3 o'clock on Friday. So lots to talk about, including a few massive trades that happened uh, uh, in between our last episode recording and this one. So just a lot to talk about. Such a fun time to be a hockey fan. Man, I feel bad for TSN. That's all I can think about every single time a trade is announced. I'm like, man, the execs are pulling their hair out right now. James Duffy is scrambling to figure out what he can say about the Meyer trade for the next six hours of the trade deadline day. It's like, it's the same thing as that happened last year was all the trades happened a few days before the deadline. And then they sat there just saying the same things about the same trades over and over and over again because there's nothing else going on on trade deadline day so yeah every time i hear a trade i think of the tsn guys or all those other networks i'm like that sucks (laughs) yeah uh, it'll be a lot of filler space that they'll have because not a lot of trades will be going down on deadline day because a lot of them have already gone down and it was funny today i was listening to just randomly on on YouTube, the Real Kipper and Born show. You guys know I, I kind of frequent that show occasionally, and uh, they they just got lucky. They were recording at their normal time, and it just so happened that everything happened while they were recording. Same with Overdrive; a ton was happening while they were recording, so they kind of got lucky there. And it was kind of like a makeshift deadline show from both of those. Uh, uh, podcast so that was kind of interesting but yeah like i said great time to be a leaf fan even though i got absolutely nothing done today because i was glued to my computer checking twitter and instagram and everything seeing if there were any other trades not just including the leafs but around the rest of the nhl was a wild day it certainly was and i'm wondering if the nhl sent out a memo about the trade deadline being rescheduled to today (laughs) That's how crazy it's been, and Friday is basically going to be a recap, and they're going to have to fill time uh, with the TSN panel like they did the one year where they'll all bring in their Harvey's Burgers, and we'll be watching O-Dogs sitting there eating, and anyway, but still looking forward to Friday, and we're going to see some, uh, some good deals on Friday, I think, as well. 
but a lot has happened and let's get into it so basically this is how we're going to do it we've got five uh big trades that we're going to cover and then uh the ones from today that we're just kind of um going to go through in a uh, rapid fire uh kind of way so let's start with the one that took place um late last week so this was last thursday and uh the boston bruins loading up here with dmitry orlov and garnet hathaway uh from the washington capitals in exchange for craig smith a 2023 first rounder a second in 2025 and a third in 2024 minnesota picking up uh 25 percent of orlov's salary and boston uh retaining 50 percent or excuse me uh washington retaining 50 percent of uh of the bruins or sorry of uh orlov's salary so let's start with this one guys this one was uh, a pretty big deal for the boston bruins and uh they kind of kick-started all of this yeah i was kind of surprised when i saw this trade for washington's uh sake i would have thought that you know they pride they try to push for one maybe two more years try to stay competitive for the aging core that's there but as soon as i saw this it was like okay i guess it's time to tear down for washington and the rich get richer with boston this decor is going to be ridiculous to play against orlov is one of those guys where you can constantly send him out against the other team's best line and say stay on him stay on jack hughes stay on marners stay on whoever and he'll keep up with them and and shut them down really he he is such a shutdown guy and then he can contribute as well so you're going to pair him with mcavoy and that's a disgusting top pair and then the d just gets deeper after that so amazing for boston to pick him up and then adding hathaway like just adding to the number of pricks on this team and boston stays the same they've always been so yeah this team first place in the league having the best season way better than carolina so uh yeah <laughs> it's, you know uh, i'm gonna mention that every episode now um no it's a, it's a great trade uh at least they're doing something they did trade a lot for this but it's kind of the going rate for a for a top four defenseman and a bottom six forward as we've seen so far so Big trade, good value both ways. Washington getting a lot back, and uh, no, this kicked it all off, and it was pretty exciting. Yeah, it certainly was. In case, what I was going to say is we're still getting comments trickling in on those videos, despite the fact that you gave Carolina an A-plus in that video, I just yeah. wanted to say. Well, Carolina's done absolutely shit all to get better at this trade deadline so far, so... They're the only ones in the top six of the East that has, haven't done anything other than pick up poop party. So Yeah, I, I would expect that to change too. I think they're they're in on a lot of players. I think Harp, like you said last episode though, when we were talking about the Timo Meyer deals, they kind of just set their price internally and don't go over it. So I could still see them, you know, chasing a Brock Besser or a Tyler Bertuzzi or yeah. someone like that to give you middle six scoring. Carolina will keep the uh, trade deadline interesting for us. Yeah, there you go. Uh, okay, so talking about this trade, Case, you're absolutely right. Like, what a solid player Dmitry Orlov is. He can play anywhere in this Bruins top six uh, defensive pairings here. Like, he can play on the top pair with McAvoy, which is where he's been slotted in, I think, tentatively right now. They're going to probably put him in a position to succeed and then see it, basically how far they can push him down and play him in different situations and kind of see how it all shakes out. But... That decor is looking great. 
Hathaway as well, such a Bruins player, like exactly what they need, fits their identity perfectly. Um, so just an absolute win. I think the price was probably the going rate. And when you know you're getting two players for uh, that, that are going to help your team right now, a team that's already first place in the NHL by a long shot, I think you don't even really worry about the price. You just get it done. So I love the trade for the Bruins. Uh, I hate it for my Maple Leafs and everybody else in the Eastern Conference. But great trade for the Bruins. And you're right. Like, as I, I was kind of the same way. As soon as I saw Washington make both of those players uh, scratches that evening, I was like, okay, here we go. And by all accounts, from all of the insiders, this deal came together pretty quickly. And it was one of those things where they scratched them and then it wasn't, you know, we okay, now we have to wait a week. It was, okay, they're out of the lineup. We made our decision. What can we get for these guys? And then we'll, we'll worry about turning it around for, for OV's last couple years next season. Like, we'll do it then. So I love the trade. Orloff wasn't signed past this year. None of their defensemen are signed past this year, by the way, except for John Carlson. Rasmus so, Sandin. Oh, no, he's man. not signed. He is. Years. Actually, he, he has one more year. That's one more right. Year. Okay. Rasmus Sandin at $1.4 million. So, man, they had to do it. They had to get some return. And I think they realized they couldn't sign him and said, you know what? Screw <clears> it. Let's get it. Let's get a pick and uh, let's see what we can do. Love the trade for both sides, honestly. Yeah, and we should quickly mention that uh, the first rounder from Boston, which is going to be 32nd by by all accounts, uh, there was talk about Washington flipping that for a defenseman, maybe a Chikrin or someone like that. But uh, they did choose Rasmus Sandin from your Maple Leafs chat, a, a young D, obviously, who's uh, kind of uh, been squeezed out of the uh, of the lineup in Toronto. And so Sandin goes to Washington for a first and uh, Eric Gustafson, who's had a good season there. So quick mention of that. But on this deal, I think this is really nice work by Don Sweeney, which I hate to say, but listen, he's he's made a lot of moves that have worked, and uh, this is another one that makes so much sense. It makes way more sense to get Orlov and Hathaway for these pieces rather than giving up a first and a third for Gavrikov, which is apparently what Columbus is looking for. Apparently, According to Columbus, they thought they had a deal done with Boston and all of that, but I think they got the better defenseman, and they really wanted Garnet Hathaway. He's got connections to Massachusetts. Boston was his childhood team, and that guy's a Bruin through and through. So love this deal for Boston, and uh, they get a whole lot stronger. And now a word from our sponsors. This podcast is sponsored by Liquid IV. Whether you're staying active or nursing a hangover, Liquid IV has you covered. Just one stick of Liquid IV in 16 ounces of water hydrates faster and more efficiently than water alone. It contains five essential vitamins, B3, B5, B6, B12, and vitamin C with three times the electrolytes of traditional sports drinks. It's made with premium ingredients, it's non-GMO, and it's free from gluten, dairy, and soy. There are plenty of awesome flavors, but my personal favorite right now is lemon lime. So get 20% off when you go to liquidiv.com and use the code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth at checkout. That's 20% off anything in the store when you order using the promo code boys underscore in underscore the underscore booth at liquidiv.com. Experience better hydration today with Liquid IV. 
This podcast is also sponsored by the best ticket app out there, SeatGeek. SeatGeek takes the confusion out of buying tickets, making it quick and easy to get the best deals on tickets to your favorite sporting events. Plus, Boys in the Booth listeners get $20 off their first ticket purchase on SeatGeek with the promo code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. So click the link in the description down below to download the app and remember to get your discounted tickets using the code BOYSINTHEBOOTH in all caps. Get great seats for a fraction of the cost with SeatGeek. All right, so that's uh, that one. Now let's move on to uh, the big trade involving your New Jersey Devils case. And, uh, of course, this came on uh, Sunday night. So Timo Meyer going from the San Jose Sharks to the New Jersey Devils, along with a crap ton of other players. Like, in, in general, there were so many players involved in this deal, which was really surprising. So, Meyer goes to New Jersey along with Scott Harrington, depth defenseman. He got claimed, actually, by Anaheim today off of waivers. Uh, Santeri Hadika, uh, Timur uh, 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 Abrijimov. Abrijimov, okay. <laughs> My bad. And uh, Zach... Uh, Imond and a uh, 2024 fifth rounder probably butchered a few of those American Hockey League names but anyway so that all goes to New Jersey and then to San Jose Andreas Janssen and his cap hit Shakir Mukamadoulin of course the big Russian defenseman first round pick Nikita Okoychuk uh, Fabian Zetterland, as rumored, uh, good good forward there. A 2023 first, a conditional uh, 2024 first, and a 2024 seventh going to the San Jose Sharks. So, as we shared on our Instagram, um, Case, you were pretty bang on with this one. Obviously, we we didn't uh, predict all these other American Hockey League players and prospects to be involved in this one, but you have to be thrilled with this as a Devils fan, and uh, you kind of called this one. So let's let's go to you first with this deal. Yeah, just a quick correction. The 2024 first is actually a second round pick that's conditional. Yes, and thank you. if they reach the Eastern Conference Finals this year or next year, it becomes a first. And they'll have the option to defer that to a 2025 um, based off a couple other conditions. But yeah, I... I couldn't be happier about this trade. Like, I like Fabian Zetterlin a lot. I like Akoychuk, how he plays. And Shakir was very interesting to me always. But you just got Timo Myers, Sanzo Sharks leading scoring forward, 30-goal guy, physical winger who's going to play alongside either Nico or Jack. And you didn't have to give up Holtz, Nemitz, Hughes, Seamus Casey, or Dawson Mercer. How can you not be thrilled about that as a Devils fan? I saw someone put it pretty plainly the other day. I think Chad might have sent it to me, but it was like the Devils traded a first, their fifth-ranked prospect, their 13th-ranked prospect, uh, a bottom six forward and an AHL forward for Timo Meyer and a bunch of random nonsense. <laughs> so, yeah, pretty freaking th- thrilled about this. I'm just happy that he, he's coming to New Jersey, but the return makes me even happier. Yeah, Case, like, you've got to be just absolutely pumped. And I think any Devils fan or or a fan of any team who got this player would have been just as thrilled, even if you gave up double the pieces, because that's how good the player is. But the fact that you didn't have to give up any of your A prospects 
is ridiculous. And going back to last week's episode when we talked about mock trades for Timo Meyer going to New Jersey, the second one that you proposed, like Harper mentioned, was almost bang on. It was a deal centered around Shakira Mukamadoulin and a first round pick. I said then that I didn't think that that was very sexy or appealing as a package because I value quality over quantity. And you know what? The San Jose Sharks just completely disagreed with that. They wanted to get quantity over quality, and that's exactly what they did. They got a ton of pieces, and Mukamadoulin's good. I said last episode that maybe the Devils value him higher than some other teams around the league. Maybe that's still the case, but San Jose clearly values him as a pretty good prospect as well, and that's why they made the deal to get him. So I love the return uh, uh, for New Jersey, that is, not having to give up much to get Timo Meyer because Timo Meyer is just a fantastic player, the perfect fit on this team. The only thing is now they have to get a deal done. And we all know the qualifying offer is 10 million bucks. We're all expecting them to get an eight year deal signed with Timo Meyer for less than 10 million bucks. I just hope it doesn't become the case in the offseason where it drags out and and it ends up costing them a shitload of money because Timo Meyer's really good, but I just hope they don't overpay him and give him like 11 million bucks or something stupid. They won't, but they're a smart team. But uh, it just, you got to absolutely love it, Case. Yeah. Uh, the scary thing about the contract is whatever happens to Timo Meyer is going to directly impact Jesper Bratt and how much money he's going to demand. It's such a mess already because Bratt deserves good money, but does he deserve more than Jack Hughes? No, but Jack has a good contract. Does he deserve more than Heischer? Probably not. Even better contract. So does he deserve as much as Timo Meyer? We'll see. Like, What are they going to do with Jesper Bratt? That's the, the big thing to me. Uh, Tom Fitzgerald said the other day that he is hashing out a contract as they speak uh, between him and the interviewer w- with Jesper Bratt's agent. So I kind of hope that they get the Bratt deal done so that, that the Meyer contract doesn't have an impact on him. Mm, true i forgot about brad two big deals to sign but if they get them both done they're set forever with yeah, their young top four forwards up. for a long time <laughs> yeah no those are uh excellent points for sure and case i agree with you i i mean it surprised me how many players and and picks were in this deal it kind of reminded me of the claude Giroux trade from philly to florida at uh, at last year's deadline or beforehand just uh the fact that philadelphia gave up pieces along with Giroux in the deal and uh san jose did that as well um you know not we're not really sure if they're going to be of any significance. A lot of AHL players and, and young guys who we don't really know a lot about. But, yeah, the fact that you didn't have to give up any of those guys that you mentioned. You could even throw Chase Stillman in there, who's uh, another good prospect for the Devils that we haven't mentioned over these last few weeks. But this is excellent work by Tom Fitzgerald. And there's no question about it. For San Jose, this deal revolves around Shakir Mukamadoulin turning into that high-end top four defenseman um, that we envision him turning into. But it's kind of a question mark. He is a Russian kid. He's going to be over there for a while, and we just don't know what he's going to turn into. So I I do think there's a bit of risk here from Mike Greer and company in San Jose, but we'll see. In the meantime, right now, 
you'd have to say that your Devils are the winner, and uh, you know he's just the perfect player for them. He's exactly what they needed. They needed size. They needed someone who can play ugly and put the puck in the back of the net, and that's exactly what they have. Also helps that he's a Swiss uh, born player as well as we've <laughs> mentioned before with uh, Heischer and Siegenthaler already there so yeah there's, uh, this is there's great 10, work 10 in the show. league Swiss players and 4 are on New Jersey who's yeah. the 4th? Uh, Akira Schmid uh, right. Right. right man yeah. he's been good this year too like he's, he's been yes. he's been really good this 927 year. save percentage in like 10 games or whatever it is yeah and I believe he's top 5 in Goal saved above expected per 60. He hasn't played that much, so he hasn't been able to accumulate that number. But the per 60 number is really, really good. And Nico Dawes is an AHL All-Star, so... There you go. There, Man, like, the Devils, if they can keep everybody together, like, eventually pieces are going to have to move when... And, like, this is way in the future when they're going to have to re-sign their young defensemen who aren't on the team yet. But I'm talking about, like, Nemich and Hughes and stuff. But if they can keep this group together for the next three, four years, like, disgusting and dangerous. Like, it's going to be awesome to watch. And the East isn't getting worse anytime soon. No. And... and case not to stroke your devils off uh, or stroke you off too much here but uh <laughs> i think that um jack hughes will be on some heart trophy ballots uh this season for sure oh yeah i think he'll be uh he'll be top three definitely anyway excellent work and uh your your team is uh in the postseason no surprise there how far they go that remains the question but uh they will be one of the big players in the east that's for sure after making this deal all right moving on to uh another team in the eastern conference that uh made another whopper of a deal and uh this is classic uh julian brisebois and tampa bay lightning business so Certainly a deal that caught a lot of people by surprise, um, but the, I, I, again, it's Tampa Bay. They, we've seen this before. So Tanner Jeannot, young bottom six forward who had a great year in Nashville last year, not so much the, not so much this year. He's a great story, kind of a late bloomer. Uh, Tampa Bay gets him from Nashville in exchange for. A first, a second, a third, a fourth, a fifth, and defenseman Cal Foot. So almost an entire draft, <laughs> and uh, and and a young defenseman in Cal Foot. So again, guys, we've seen this before with the Tampa Bay Lightning. Thoughts on this deal? Yeah, initially I wanted to just dump all over this trade because this is just way too much uh, to trade for any bottom six foot player, but. Tampa Bay does it every single year and you know they win a cup or go deep so I I'm not going to talk too much shit but Tanner Janelle he's intriguing because if they can turn him back around into the player he was last year this year Nashville's struggling to score goals in, in general so that's probably not helping him but if he can be that guy who he was last year then this is another Hagel or um, Paul or anyone that Tampa ads it's just going to make them better because they do it every single year but man is that a lot of picks and Cal Foot I thought they liked Cal Foot I know I thought they liked him too so like not only is it almost an entire draft class but it's a first round pick homegrown defenseman 
a guy who they picked and and developed. So yeah, it's it's essentially it's it's two first round picks plus all the other ones if you look at it that way. Like. I, I I get it. I, I understand Tampa Bay is a better team now than they were before this trade, period. Because Tanner Janot adds to that deep forward group. But I think if you're Tampa Bay, could you not have used those assets to get a defenseman where I think is a bigger need for the team? Like, I, Tanner Janot just seems like a luxury that, you know, maybe... Sure, you can say you can afford it if you're Tampa Bay because they seem to have done like they've done that every year and it's worked out for them. They've gone to three straight Stanley Cup finals and they won two of them. But like, man, I think the bigger need for this team is on the back end since losing Ryan McDonough and Tanner Janot. I don't think moves the needle at all. And to give up two first rounds, two first round picks or equivalent and almost the rest of a draft class like can you imagine, like, and, and I know it's not fair to compare, but could you imagine if Kyle Dubas did that, traded Rasmus Sandin and a first-round pick and the rest of a draft class for Tanner Janot? Like, it, it wouldn't, it, it, the conversation would be completely different and, uh, different. and obviously that's because of the history of the Tampa Bay Lightning and the success they've had in the playoffs. But in terms of value, like straight-up value, it is a disaster for Tampa Bay. And if they lose in the first round, if the Leafs somehow beat them in the first round, if, if they're able to get over the hump, it, like this trade will be catastrophic for their future. It will be worse than the Nick Foligno trade in Toronto. It will be worse than anything. Like that's two first round picks or equivalent and the rest of a draft class almost for a bottom six player. I know we had a good year last year. I know that. He has 15 points or something this year. It's not even close. He's not that same player. And they need to add on the back end. To me, value-wise, like I get it. They're a better team now. But value-wise, they got absolutely fleeced in this deal. If you look at just the forward core, if, all 12. You look at all 12 of the forwards. This is a good playoff team. Holy shit, is it good. Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Then you look at the D and you go, okay, maybe not so much. Um Maybe they'll be the ones that are overpaying on Gavrikov with whatever draft picks they have left. But yeah, that's uh, it's definitely a little scary. And on if, honestly, if I was Toronto, I'd be a little happier right now. Four first-round picks or equivalent, plus the rest of a draft class, and two other homegrown prospects for Brandon Hagel, who's a good player, really good player. Good, he's a legit top six player. Career season and Tanner Janot. That to me is just brutal yeah. asset management. And, and like, if you're Tampa, you don't care because you're trying to win another one while you still have these players. And then you're going to completely tear it down and rebuild, and that's fine. But just in terms of the the actual value, it is it, 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 this was a whopper. Like, just, I, I'm not, not even close. I'm done talking shit because they've won two cups in the last three years. So I'm just gonna. And, and you know what? They'll probably beat Toronto in Game 7 again this year. And Tanner Janot will score the overtime winner. And I'll look like a clown. And I'm not debating. I'm not saying they're not a better team. They very clearly are now with Tanner Janot. Just in terms of value, it's such a bad trade. You know, it. it, it is very lopsided. And the assets that they gave Nashville, it, it's, it's, it's nuts. But 
I mean, we, we've seen this before. Like I said, right off the top, it started with Barkley Goudreau, a first-round pick. How effective was he in their Stanley Cup run the year that they picked him up? Blake Coleman, same thing. Brandon Hagel, Nick Paul, who they didn't have to give up uh, that much for, scored two goals in that Game 7 victory over the Toronto Maple Leafs last year. And now Tanner Janot. I am not going against Julian Brisebois and the Tampa Bay Lightning. They have done this time and time again. We've absolutely ripped them for what they give away in these deals, but they've worked. They always work. It's the Tampa Bay Lightning. They do this every year. They find that gritty third-line prick that can fit into their lineup, and Tanner Janot is that. He's going to be great in Tampa. I agree. Yeah. If they don't win in the first round, very disappointing, but I just I have a hard time going against Tampa because we have enough of a track record here with these kinds of deals that look so lopsided, but they work, and they're, they know which players to go after and insert into their lineup. And Breezebois did make a good point as well that once you get by a certain point in the draft, it's a very low percentage of any of these picks becoming good quality full-time NHL players, but it's a risk. There's no doubt about it. If you're looking at this as a Predators fan, you're laughing, and you get Cal Foot as well. Like This is perfect if, if for the Predators who are transitioning into a retool slash rebuild, but... Have a hard time going against Breezebois and the Lightning, man. They've they've done this time and time again, and it's always worked. Good point, too, about the blue line. I know that's been an issue the last couple of games with John Cooper. Nick Perbix has certainly been a nice surprise for them this season. You look at Sergachev, Hedman. Um, they added Ian Cole in the offseason. But uh, if, if, they, if they get really banged up on the blue line, that's going to be a problem for them. There's no, there's no question about it. So um, we'll wait and see. But yeah, I, I just, I, I think this is going to work out somehow, like it always has for the Tampa Bay Lightning. The last thing I'll say on this is this deal tells me two really key things about the Tampa Bay Lightning right now. Number one, they want to win a cup again, like yeah. this season or next. Like, this is their win now window 100%. Like, they are all in. Yeah. And number two, Julian Breesbois really trusts his scouting staff to find some late round picks who are going to hit. Because if you're willing to give up that many first rounders, like, you got to trust your guys. And, you know, time has shown us that they have some pretty good scouting staff pretty good people in their scouting staff and they've made some pretty good picks over time so I, I mean be confident in them all you want no kidding probably the best hockey department in the NHL Steve Eiserman was your GM moves on to Detroit Breezebois takes over Pat Verbeek a part of that staff now the GM of the Anaheim Ducks so there you go um, all right, moving on from uh, that deal between the Lightning and the Predators to your uh, Toronto Maple Leafs, Chad, who were super busy today, and uh, they pulled off this one yesterday. This is a big deal for them, so they get Jake McCabe at uh, 50% retained, so three more years, two after this one at $2 million bucks, so half of his $4 million cap hit. Sam Lafferty. 
another good bottom six forward, and uh, a conditional 2024 fifth and a conditional fifth in 2025. In exchange for Joey Anderson, uh, Pavel Gogolev going to the Blackhawks along with a conditional first in 2025 and a second in 2026. So um, definitely some futures going to the Blackhawks there, but this is an all-in move for the Toronto Maple Leafs. How do you feel? You want me to start or do you want Casey to go? We'll, we'll we'll start with you. We uh, started with Case, obviously, with his Devils and the Meyer deal. So we'll we'll start with you. Might as well. Okay. Well, like the deal to me, like I can't even focus on it because of how much has happened today and how many balls are still in the air for the Leafs as we speak. Like they have nine defensemen, nine legit NHL defensemen on their roster right now and only 12 forwards and cap space to work with. And they haven't activated Matt Murray yet. So I truly don't know what they're going to do next. Kyle is keeping me in the dark and everybody else in the dark in terms of what he's going to do. But in terms of this trade, getting Jake McCabe and Sam Lafferty automatically makes your team better. McCabe fits in as a top four defenseman. And he's there for another two years at two million bucks retained. Like, there's your Justin Hall replacement next season because he's a UFA at the end of the year. So you don't need that two million bucks on the cap. You have Jake McCabe's two million bucks on the cap for another two years after this one. And Sam Lafferty is also re-signed next season as well. So basically, I mean, depending what they do, your defense is set for next year and your bottom six has a lot of uh, uh, key guys signed, but also a lot of flexibility there, too, with more players coming off the books. So talking about this trade and the one they did uh, last week, they got Ryan O'Reilly, Nola Chari, Sam Lafferty and Jake McCabe, and they gave up two first round picks, basically a couple players in there whatever like i think the value is is great for the maple leaves and i think they're way better right now and i'm finally uh i can finally say that they're all in and i'm super excited about that thank you kyle dubas for doing something it's so exhilarating truly i love the i love both trades i I like the trade for toronto finally they're going uh, all out here and trying to win a playoff series bringing in tough to play against players that's really what they've they've been lacking at times and bringing in mccabe is exactly that he's hard to play against he throws his body around like crazy so that's going to be a good piece for toronto and then to have him for multiple years like that's great um the value goes up even higher when when you talk about those two extra years at two million dollars and then Lafferty, I want to you know manage some expectations here because he's not a thirty-point guy. He's get, he's a thirty-point guy this year because he's been playing top six in Chicago, but he has a Swiss Army knife. He'll play in the bottom six and he'll play hard in the bottom six. Toronto's finally shuffled that bottom six around where it's not four or five of the same player they've mixed it up they've got a cherry in there now lafferty angles out it's it's looking much better in my eyes so i gotta like that piece and then yeah they gave up i think market value for a top four defenseman uh lafferty's a bonus in in my my eyes so yeah this is a good deal and if you guys have noticed like 
we're seeing a trend here with trades where two players are going together in a lot of these deals. And so I think that, you know, everyone's going to focus on that one guy. Everyone's going to focus on Jake McCabe being a part of this deal, obviously. Solid top four defenseman. I've always been a fan of Jake McCabe. As you guys know, he started out as a Buffalo Sabre. He's going to be pumped because that guy has never played a single playoff game in his entire NHL career. He's going to be excited, and he's a good player. I like McCabe. He's exactly what they need. Um, And it's interesting he ends up going to Toronto when a lot of the other Canadian teams were on his no-trade list as well. Every single other one was on his no-trade list. Yeah, exactly. And then... Sam Lafferty, again, Case, you said it. Swiss Army Knife, a solid bottom six uh, forward who has uh, some some grit. And, um, yeah, he, he just fits in so well. So they're adding the right players because we've seen the Leafs kind of go all in before, you know, a, a first-round pick for Nick Foligno and, and what have you. But I think they're going after the right guys here. O'Reilly has fit in like a glove. Achari has been good so far. You're adding guys like Lafferty and McCabe and others, which we're going to get to. Um, But yeah, this is great for Toronto. Happy for Joey Anderson. I think he's going to get a great opportunity to play some more in Chicago. And uh, there you go. Yeah, Leafs are all in. I I love this deal. I love these two players going to Toronto. Yeah, and another thing about Lafferty as well, great penalty killer, leads the league in shorthanded goals right now because he's super fast. I think that's a, an underrated piece, honestly. Similar to how I think Achari was an underrated piece coming from uh, St. Louis in that deal in the ROR trade because uh, Achari is really good on the dot and, and is good defensively and, and brings some grit to your bottom six. Well, Lafferty, I think, will boost the Leafs' penalty killing because that's been a bit a bit of a weakness for them this year. Last year, the Leafs have one of the best penalty kills in the NHL. I think the best that I've ever seen on a Maple Leafs team. And that was mostly because of Ilya Mikheyev, believe it or not. Uh, he had a ton of shorthanded goals, and he just played with a pace shorthanded that you just don't really have many guys on the Leafs who can kind of fill that need. So I'm hoping Sam Lafferty now will be a mainstay on the penalty kill, along with a guy like Mitch Marner who and David Camp, who not only are good defensively, but can also give you a, a, a bit of a threat at the other end on your penalty kill, which I think is kind of the new age of, of killing penalties. So I love Lafferty for that reason. It's great that he plays center and wing as well, similar to an Achari, similar to you know a bunch of guys that they have. So no matter where you are on the ice, whether you're on a guy's strong side or weak side, you can always find a player who has a good chance to win a draw. So I think that's also an underrated thing about uh, Lafferty and Achari as well. And again, uh, they're not rentals. Can't stress that enough. And uh, really, it's not a lot for the Leafs to handle cap-wise. Two million and then I think a million and a half for this year and next for Sam Lafferty. So that's huge as well. And funny enough, the top three teams in that Atlantic division, they all went out and they got the same player, really. Garnet Hathaway to Boston, Jeannot to Tampa, Sam Lafferty to Toronto. It's going to be fascinating to watch how these three teams fare in uh, in the Stanley Cup playoffs. So, all right, those are the uh, the five or sorry, the four big ones that we wanted to touch on. And now we're just kind of uh, do a uh, a rapid fire through um, 
a lot of the deals that we saw today. So starting with uh, with this one, guys, Yessi Pugliarvi, his days in Edmonton are finally over. He goes to the Carolina Hurricanes, another contender in the East, in exchange for prospect Patrick Puistola. So a lot of people looking at this deal as a win for the Carolina Hurricanes. Let's get uh, grades from you two on this deal. Yeah, I don't, I don't know. This deal isn't very sexy in, in my eyes for either team, really. Um, doesn't mean much to me. I am happy that the Pugliarvi trade talk is going to be over because that's been going on for three years now. But this seems like a familiar player to Carolina, so I'm going to assume that he's going to fit in well because they, they seem to have a, a couple guys like him. Um, and he's got some buddies over there in Ajo and Kokinyemi, so good trade i guess i'll give it like a b for both sides i was thinking the same thing case b for both sides because it's it's a b for edmonton because they finished this saga it's over now they don't have to deal with it anymore puliarvi was never going to be a better player than he currently is in edmonton which is just absurd because he's been able to play with some of the best players on the planet and hasn't been able to figure it out but it's also a B for Carolina because they gave up an unsigned prospect. Really, a guy like had either of you guys heard of him before today? Because I hadn't. Um, it's a guy who's unsigned. Who knows if he ever plays? I know nothing about him for Jesse Pugliarvi, who was a fourth overall pick a few years back. So, listen, if Pugliarvi can put together some sort of season that you know where he's able to salvage this season and salvage his career in Carolina being you know a third guy on an offensive line as sort of like a four checker a guy who goes and gets the puck sure that's perfect that's great for Carolina and I think it will make more sense for him playing in Carolina than Edmonton I think he'll figure it out there if anywhere so to me I really like it for both sides and uh bees all around I guess they're gonna have potentially a third and fourth overall finish player playing in their bottom six at some point couple busts but you know the thing is at least like pulley rv to me kakaniemi right you can say he's not worth his deal yet or anything or you can say that you didn't like the deal and it was kind of an odd situation how they offer shield or and whatnot but i think pulley rv brings something different than kakaniemi does he's a great four checker like i really like his four checking game it just hasn't worked out in edmonton and case something i sent both you and harp earlier today i thought was funny same amount of points as tanner janot right now i know they're different players hard to compare but same amount of goals and points as tanner janot right now and look at the return he fetched yeah, yeah uh one has double the hits and is playing on a team that's struggling and the other played with Connor mcdavid and had 15 points so and this it, is, it is a weird comparison but yeah it it is a comparison to make and if you think about it that way then wow carolina made out like bandits here <laughs> yeah but i think edmonton they needed to they needed to get this out of their mind they needed to clear up some cap space to make another trade mm-hmm. so it, it makes sense for them and i don't think that carolina is done either uh with adding people who can put the puck in the back of the net. Pugliarvi, we'll see if he can do that, but I wonder about a guy like Nick Schmaltz or, or someone else for, for Carolina that can help uh, score some goals there. All Carolina's right, next a deep one, team. Uh, 
What's that case? Uh, Carolina is a deep team. Very, Very deep. deep up front. Very yes. balanced, too. Yes, they like, are. They, they don't have all their money tied up in four players. Oh, wait, that's not a bad thing, is it? Tell me that's a good <laughs> thing, guys. <laughs> we'll see if it's a bad thing or not again <laughs> this year. Um, anyway, another uh, kind of minor deal. Uh, Marcus Johansson goes from Washington back to the Minnesota Wild in exchange for a third-round pick in 2024. Uh, That's not all the Wild did. Uh, Very recently here, uh, as we've been recording, they uh, picked up Gustav Nyquist from the Columbus Blue Jackets for a 2023 fifth. So we'll uh, group in these two deals together. Uh, Grades for, for these ones, boys. Uh, man, am I ever tired of hearing Marcus Johansson get traded? Uh, <laughs> how many teams has he been on now? This is also his second time in Minnesota after being his second time in Washington. Yep. So <laughs> it's getting wild. He, I feel bad for guys like that because how many times has he had to move? And if he has a family, then that that makes it even worse. But. Uh, just looking at it here, it's Washington, then New Jersey, then Boston, then Buffalo, then Minnesota, then Seattle, then Washington, then Minnesota again. So holy, wow. that's pretty wild. But well, speaking of the wild, they get even more veteran presence up front, so that it's going to help their team. A third round pick, I don't think, is crazy to send for Marcus Johansson. He's been pretty productive this year in Washington, and we've seen a lot of production from him in the past. So. Uh, maybe they can unlock something in, in Minnesota because they need someone else scoring goals other than just Kirill. So we'll see how that works out for them. And uh, sorry, what was the second part of this? Nyquist uh, to Minnesota from uh, Columbus yeah. first. I hadn't seen the information on that yet, but I mean, I think that Nyquist might be better than Johansson and they traded a fifth for him. But Nyquist is hurt, if I believe. I think he's on... Yes, IR and uh, Minnesota better be careful because the NHL sent out a very direct message about acquiring people to put directly on the IR for playoff and cap shielding and all that nonsense. So we'll see how that plays out. I just want to know if Minnesota has somebody on their staff who understands the salary cap because at this point i don't know if they do i don't know if they're playing 4d chess or if they just don't get it like do they have a guy who who does that like i just i truly don't understand they're they have 16 no 13 million dollars in dead cap right now from their two buyouts they have been retaining on two previous deals that we mentioned retaining salary on players they retained on on ryan o'reilly and on orlov but now they're buying and flipping picks that they got for retaining those contracts like to me i just don't understand what they're doing cap wise i truly i don't even have like a a point to say about this i just don't get it i don't understand what they're doing (laughs) just like money laundering going on yeah like and then they were then they acquire nyquist on on ltir like again more cap shenanigans like is this good for them is it bad i i truly don't know with these two deals though i don't think they're big enough to warrant like real grades but i'll give all teams a, a b because sure i just think like minnesota gets better with those two players again if nyquist is healthy but also like if they wanted to buy why wouldn't they clear cap space and go get someone it makes no sense 
Like it just doesn't make any sense to me. That's where I'm at with with Minnesota. It's uh, it's Bill Guerin. You're not supposed to get it, and uh, <laughs> that four, that 14 million in, in dead cap. That Put that on come. a t-shirt, man. That's good. <laughs> Bill Guerin, you're not supposed to get it. <laughs> He is uh, he is a fearless GM and a pretty funny guy for sure. So yeah, I'm glad you guys like that. But um, and just a note about the 14 million in dead cap from the Parise and Suter buyouts that really doesn't kick in until next season. But I'm with you; it doesn't make a lot of sense. But in a way, like it is really smart. However, they're doing it, picking up a lot of these late round picks and then flipping them after. Uh, for some impact players. So, again, I'm with you. Don't know how they're doing it, but it's Bill Guerin. You're not supposed to get it. So, Are you anyway. sure those buy those buyouts haven't kicked in yet? I thought for sure that this was the first year of them kicking in. I could be wrong. I just thought off the top of my head maybe it, it was. Let me just... I mean, I could I could yeah. be wrong myself. Yeah, yeah no, dude. They, they count this year. Right now to Prezi okay. and... 12.7. So, they're okay. like... They could have, I mean, okay, I don't want to get into their whole cap situation, but yeah. they could be in a better place cap-wise, so I don't understand why they're retaining money and then acquiring <laughs> Paying Ryan big players. And Orlov and <laughs> yeah, why so. not trade for Ryan O'Reilly and get someone else to retain? Like, Are you both in the playoff run and keeping up with Arizona on buying that gap? <laughs> What a what a weird team. And something else too, like case you mentioned that the league sent out the thing on the salary cap like you you know beware from buying from buying players who are just going to be stashed on LTIR like basically a warning to teams doing that. You know, they give a warning about that, but then Arizona is allowed to be brought up to the cap floor because they have 30 million dollars in dead cap and Gary doesn't give a shit about that. So just double standards with the salary cap, man. What are we doing? Like what are we doing <laughs> with the cap? This is so stupid. We can't even we can't even make trades ahead of the deadline. I mean, this is a good year for it for once we're making trades ahead of the deadline, but there's so many cap like uh anyway, whatever. Enough about the cap. I just I got fed up about it for a sec. No, that's okay. And uh, just to clarify, so yeah, 12.7 of dead cap this year for Minnesota. Then I think it jumps to 14 next year. That's where we got mixed up a a little bit. I'm pretty sure that's... Yeah, 14.7 next year. Okay, perfect. There we go. All right. uh, We can do these, uh, all three of these, uh, with the Toronto Maple Leafs. They made all three of these deals today. Starting with a, a pretty eyebrow-raising one, Chad, I know that this surprised you, certainly surprised uh, my brother, Emerson, because it involves his Washington Capitals. So uh, that 2023 first-rounder that Washington uh, got from Boston uh, that's going to be, of course, at the bottom of the first round uh, in the Orlov deal. Uh, so they send that along with Eric Gustafson, who's had a great year with Washington on the blue line, to the Maple Leafs for Rasmus Sandin. A pretty big deal and pretty surprising. Thoughts on this one? Case, do you want to go? You want me to go? Ah, you go. It's Maple Leaf stuff. I'm just going to babble. So. Okay. Well, I am truly shocked and appalled by this deal. Um, Rasmus Sandin, I truly thought was going to be a Leaf 
for the foreseeable future. Like he signed for next year at a good cap hit, the exact same deal as Lilligren. Uh, Kyle Dubas traded down in the 2018 draft to get Rasmus Sandin. That was actually the first pick that Kyle Dubas officially made as general manager. Um, and it was his guy from the Sioux, an undersized puck moving defenseman with a bit of bite. That's exactly what Rasmus Sandin is. Um, the problem, as we all know, he hasn't got a fair or, or I wouldn't say it was unfair. He, he's had a fair shot, but he hasn't been given ample opportunity in Toronto to play big minutes or meaningful minutes. And that was one of the reasons why he came into this season not wanting to sign a contract with the Maple Leafs. Like he took them right up until training camp because he wasn't sure where he fit in on this team. I'm still just truly shocked, though. I thought they would keep... Sandine as long as they could as depth and as a future piece. That being said, great value in return yeah. in, for the trade. Like yeah. really great value. So really, like, that's that's what I was going to say. Is yeah. like the value is excellent when you think about what you're supposed to give up for a top four defenseman, and that's really what Eric Gustafson has been this year. You're supposed to give up a first plus, like a Jake McCabe or all the other defensemen we've seen traded so far or law that home, whatever. Uh, I'm not saying that Gustafson's as good as either of those two, but the value it's a lot for a top four defenseman. You're supposed to give up a lot for that. And now they get a first and a top four defenseman. So the value is great, but it didn't make any sense to me at all. I didn't see Sandine getting traded anytime soon. Uh, we talk about how much Toronto needs a puck moving defenseman at this point now, and they just trade the, the one they have, the, the one that resembles a puck moving defenseman the most, other than Morgan Riley, who can't score for the life of him right now. Um, yeah, it's a little confusing, but I guess Gustafson's quickly going to fill that role, and then you get a first round pick out of it. And let's slow down with the first round pick talk because essentially it's a second round pick. Exactly, yes. But I mean, I'm not convinced that Gustafson is going to play for Toronto in regular minutes. I think. Like right now, they have nine defensemen on the team. I think Gustafson might be like the eighth, maybe. Like it I, just, I think you run into the case where you're playing a lot of the same guys if you don't play Gustafson. What What do you mean by that? Playing the same guys? McCabe, Hole, Shen, all these guys are. Oh yeah, okay. Similar. Yes, I I see what you're saying, and and. I get that. I just don't know where he really fits in, to be honest, full-time in the top six. So I still think they're going to use that first-round pick and do something with it. I think as of right now, you know, with nine defensemen, clearly they're not going to go into the playoffs with nine defensemen and 12 forwards. It just doesn't make sense. Plus, they still have to activate Matt Murray from LTIR, unless they want to keep him on LTIR until the playoffs. But again, I, I don't think that's wise either. So once Murray is activated, they'll have almost a million bucks in cap space with nine defensemen and 12 forwards. To me, that is just screaming uh, uh, a deal, a deal coming through. And I think it would make sense for a defenseman to go who makes a bit of money and that first round pick from, uh, God, there's so many deals. Who's that even from? Their name rhymes with Washington. Bowl. No, Boston. Sorry. Yes, from Boston. Yes, rhymes with bowl. And I think you get a forward, to be honest. Then I think you go into the playoffs with 13 forwards um, and eight defensemen. 
and two healthy goalies. And I think that makes sense. And if you were to do that, if you were to trade Hole, who makes two million bucks, and you already have a million bucks in cap space, that gives you three million. You could get a player who's worth six million at fifty percent retained. And I think now you have the asset to do it in that first round pick if that's what they want to do and maybe it's a tyler bertuzzi maybe it's a brock besser who knows but it's that type of middle six player to add scoring depth because there's no way they go into the playoffs with nine nhl defensemen like people are going to be unhappy the players are going to be unhappy if that's what they do Uh, that's some tampa bay shit they did that i get like i guess and then maybe your extra forward is matt nice if they sign him, it just, I don't know. To me, this just reeks of one more deal coming, and we'll have to see what it is. But overall, I'm happy with the trade, I guess. I liked Rasmus Sandin, um, but the return was just really great value for, for basically the Leafs' seventh defenseman. Absolutely. So uh, grades for, for both sides, fellas. I'll give, I'll give the Leafs... Uh, B plus, and I'll give Washington an A. Honestly, okay. Yeah, I, I, I like that. That that fits for me. The the value is good for for uh, Toronto. Doing it is a little weird, so I'm gonna lower it to a B plus, and then Washington just flipping that pick to get a ready now player and a young guy. That's nice. So. Yeah, like Santine is a good player. He's a re- he's going to be a really good player. I guess they just thought he didn't fit. He wasn't going to get into the playoff lineup, so get some value for him. There was a month or so that he was their number one defenseman. Yeah, <laughs> yeah. When they had injuries this year, most man games lost. They saw all they needed to see from Rasmus Sandin and thought maybe it's the best time to sell high on the player. Who knows? Anyway. Yeah, definitely. Uh, a, a surprise deal for sure. All right, uh, the next two that we're going to touch on, Pierre Engvall. So we uh, we figured that with all of these deals and uh, parts moving around for the Maple Leafs that uh, one of their forwards was going to be uh, off the roster. And so Pierre Engvall goes to the New York Islanders for a third-round pick in 2024. Chad? Well, lump in the next one, too, the other deal. that Sure involved the so Leafs. then well oh, just to get yes, it going let's sense. do rapid fire here let's get it yep. going here yep so then uh and then after that a 2023 third uh for luke shen of the vancouver canucks of course a former first round pick of the toronto maple leafs a uh, number of years ago great story uh for shen coming back to toronto he wanted to come back uh by all accounts and it seems like he's really excited his wife is currently nine months pregnant and is due to give birth basically any day so i don't know when he's going to play for the leafs um going forward but they like him i think they like the grit that he brings but i just don't know if he's one of their six best defensemen like we mentioned they have nine of them right now so i don't know where he plays or how often but we'll see third round pick it's magic beans who cares that's fine and for angfall that was a cap dump you needed to get rid of two million bucks basically um and I'm also fine with that. Like you, you've replaced Engvall in the bottom six now by adding Achari and Lafferty. And you've got a lot of other players who do kind of the same thing that Engvall does, like a Kerfoot. So to me, not a big deal to lose him, even though some analytics guys are really high on Engvall. 
he frustrates the living hell out of me. He has all of the pieces, but he doesn't put it together all the time. One thing on the Engvall deal I'll say is that it's kind of funny that, you know, Dubas, a guy who is seen around the league to like players similar to Engvall, traded him to Lou Lamorello, who has the reputation for the opposite. So was, I just thought that was kind of interesting. Like Lou likes, you know, more of a Luke Shen type player than an Engvall, and he gets Engvall for a third. So, yeah, whatever. These deals are about the cap and about adding depth. So that's fine for me. It's going to stop being just magic beans soon, Chad, when you have like three draft picks in the next two years. So um, I, I'm exaggerating, but you do need to draft players to have a team eventually. And Toronto is not going to be doing that anytime soon, especially if they flip that Boston first again. So there's a lot going on there, but I think it makes sense. Engvall, it's just been, it's kind of like a Pugliarvi thing in my mind where it's like, we're beating that dead horse of trying to make him work in Toronto and it was time to move on from him and shed some cap and pick up a different type of player in Luke Shen. So I'm seeing this trade as as Angval for Luke Shen and having your draft pick a year later. So makes total sense to me. I, I, I yeah. I, it makes more sense if you had eight or seven defensemen. Now you have nine, yeah. so I don't know. But Engvall was on his way out. They've got a couple guys for that bottom six. It's a different look on the bottom six, finally. So I like it. Yeah, definitely. And um, grades for, for these deals, boys. Bees all around. Bees yeah. all around. <laughs> Case, uh, same with you. Nah, C's. C plus. C's. Okay. Sure. Gotcha. All right. And uh, the last one that we're going to touch on, and uh, this is pretty big for the Edmonton Oilers. A lot of talk about them getting a top four defenseman. They get one in Matias Ekholm from the Nashville Predators, a a veteran defenseman who's had a very good career in Nashville. Uh, He goes to Edmonton along with a sixth rounder next year. And uh, the Oilers surprisingly give up Tyson Berry in this deal. Reed Schaefer, he was there. Uh, first round pick in last year's draft, a 2023 first and a 2024 fourth uh, going the other way to the Predators. So clearly Edmonton addressed the need here, although like I said in our fantasy group chat earlier on, I think they you know, they gave up a pretty good puck-moving defenseman in Barry, but Ekholm is solid, very underrated defenseman, and uh, Nashville gets some more assets here for their rebuild. Thoughts? Yeah, I'm going to give Nashville an A here right away. Um, they got a lot back here. Essentially, two first round picks, like we've we've been like we've been saying in the past here, because he was a first round pick, Reed Schaefer, and uh, an actual first round pick and a fourth, and a guy to continue playing for your team in Tyson Berry, who's got 43 points in 61 games this year. Nothing to scoff at as a defenseman, but. Edmonton does get kind of what they need. I think uh, drastically, we've we've said the last two years, who is going to play defense for these guys? We kept saying that, well, Ekholm can play defense and move the puck, so that's a perfect fit. He's going to slot into their top pair immediately. Ekholm has been so overshadowed the last like six years in Nashville because that T-Core has been so good. 
Uh, but yeah, you, you can't sleep on how good this guy is and how good he'll be for that team in the playoffs. So important trade for Edmonton. They gave up a ton, though. So I'll give Edmonton a, a B plus for trying to help out McDavid uh, and, and get a, a well-needed piece, but an A for Nashville. Yeah, Harper, I know that uh, you mentioned it, that McDavid and Dreisaitl both came out and said that they wanted a puck-moving defenseman, and that was what they wanted Oilers management to target. But respectfully, I think they're wrong, and Case, I, I think you're right, and what they need is a, is a player to play defense because, and I forget where I heard this, but someone said, uh, you know, even a, even a team who controls the puck a lot only has it maybe 55 to 60 percent of the time what are you doing the other 40 percent like you need to play defense you need guys to play defense so there you go you guys know i've been harping on this oilers defense core ken holland you know to his credit has changed it up and made it look different but i didn't think as it was it was good enough to get as far as they did last year or do it again this year um Adding Ekholm, I think, makes them a legit contender. They don't have to win game 7-6 now when that guy's on the ice. He can defend, and Case, like you mentioned, he can move the puck as well. In terms of the return, I think, you know, dating back to the draft, I remember not being so high on Reed Schaefer in the first place. I thought it was a bit of a reach where they took him in the first round in the first place. And then another first-round pick, again, like, that's as good as gone if you're the Oilers because you needed to trade him or you needed to trade, sorry, that pick to get a player to play defense. And I think just overall, it makes sense for team composition. And if you're the Preds, wow, what a week you've had. Like, what a week. You've got a lot of assets in return for some players who, you know, if some teams weren't so desperate, and this was another year's trade deadline, maybe you wouldn't have got those assets for those players. Who knows? So good for them. David Poyle, who will be uh, retiring eventually, and, and Trotz will be taking over. He's going out with a bang. He's been making some pretty good deals here for this team. He's so leaving good Trotz. For them. You know, I'd be laughing if I'm Trotz right now. Yeah. Walking in with just a ton of picks and uh, prospects coming back right before you start the job. It's like, oh. I don't yeah, he's just licking his chops. Like, who yeah. should I draft? <laughs> like, yeah. yeah, it's awesome. So in terms of value, I'll, I'll give Nashville an A, and I'll give uh, – oh, actually, I didn't mention Tyson Berry as well. It does suck that you have to subtract from the blue line, like you mentioned, Harp. But, again, Ekholm is just much more the player that they need as opposed to Barry. And if they want to – whether it's this season or next, or I don't know how long Barry is signed for, but they can One flip him. Here. Yeah, they can flip him and and get a pick for him and and just add to that to that you know deep number of, of draft picks they already have. So I think he's a valuable player that some teams need, similar to like a Klingberg. You need that puck moving defenseman, but not every team, not every contender needs that type of player so i don't mind it for edmonton so i'll give nashville an a plus and i'll give edmonton a b plus yeah i'm almost going to guarantee right now that we're going to be talking about tyson berry in one year's time yep yep for sure or, he, here's here's a crazy idea between now and friday Poyle flips berry already somewhere else maybe 
Maybe, possible. Maybe you just retain some of that cap, get a, even more prospects. You did just bring in Cal Foot. Were you going to put Cal Foot on the uh, as a seventh defenseman? Yeah, I don't know. But no, lots of uh, lots of assets. Not to mention they they got a second round pick in next year's draft for Nino Niederreiter. So that's another good deal for them uh, with the with the Winnipeg Jets. So yeah, what a week for Nashville. And who better to take over for David Poyle than uh, Barry Trotz, uh, the the two guys that were there right from the start. I know this is going to be a lot to listen to and naming off nonsense, but listen to their drafts in the next two years: two first, a second three-thirds, three-fourths, two-fifths, and a sixth next year, and then one first, three seconds, a third, two-fourths, and a fifth a year after. Like, Wow. Jeez. Do you have yeah. cap-friendly up right now, Case? Yeah. Take a look at Chicago's. I was looking at this the other day. Chicago, because of all the picks they've gotten, and now that Patrick Kane has been dealt, we didn't even talk about the Patrick Kane deal this episode. Um, that was a bit of a weak return, but they had zero leverage in that situation, I guess. But uh, yeah. I was looking at this the other day because just talking about all the moves that they've made, they have so many picks. Like, it's yeah. ridiculous. It's Do you have it in front of you? Can you read all the first-round picks they have? <clears throat> okay, sure. They have two firsts in 2023, 2022, or 2024, and 2025. <laughs> Three seconds next year. <laughs> Or, or this year, two seconds the year after, two thirds this year and next year. So I'm not going to talk oh about four, my. five, and six. That yeah, no, that is just probably. nuts. The amount crazy. of picks in the first three rounds in the next year, like crazy. And yes, we we didn't mention the the Patrick Kane deal. Thank you, Chad. But that doesn't um, include the Patrick Kane drafts, by the way. Right. Right, because they're not actually announced yet. Like it's not. Yes, and done. and that's that was going to be my next point. That's why we uh, haven't technically um, touched on it yet because technically it's not official yet. But yeah, sounds like uh, a conditional second that could be a first if the Rangers make it to the conference finals. Going to Chicago along with a uh, a fourth rounder, and uh, Chicago retains fifty percent and some salary retention by Arizona. Surprise, surprise, as well. Speaking of draft picks, I think the Coyotes have like five second rounders in twenty twenty five or something. It's it's crazy. But the uh, Carolina Hurricanes, Islanders, and Pittsburghs, Pittsburgh, they're gonna. Someone's going to have to roll the bones here in the, in the next two days because yeah. all the other teams in the East are buying like crazy, and this is going to be a bloodbath in the playoffs. Yeah. There's just it, so many good teams in the East. It's crazy how it's one conference that is just being so aggressive this year, and I'm interested to see what teams like Buffalo, Ottawa, and Detroit do, who are trying to stay in the hunt, stay in the race. Well, Ottawa a bit outside, they're in the hunt, but Detroit and uh, my Sabres are right there. Um, so it'll be interesting to see what those guys the do. The Vegas Golden Knights, first in the West, would slot in very nicely in seventh in the East. That's a joke. Yeah, that's, that's crazy. such a joke. And by the way, I can't believe the Islanders are still buying. Like they, I know they got Engvall, which isn't much, but like they're still looking for another piece. I can't believe they're still buying. Like, it's insane to me. They, they're like, the first wild card spot right now. Yeah, but why bother? 
Like, it's just, like, your team's clearly not good enough. I guess the mentality is you have to get in and then see what happens. But, like, in terms of points percentage, they're outside of a playoff spot right now. Yeah. I think Money Puck had them at, like, 25% to, to make it. Like, Buffalo has a better shot at making the playoffs because they have so many games in hand. Now, you have to yeah. play those games and you have to do well in them. But, man, like... And points what an, percentage. We're in a good spot in terms of points percentage. And so are the Red Wings, surprisingly enough, as well. Yeah. Anyway, um, all right. Are we? Can we wrap this up here? Yes. Yeah. Just one more thing. Like I said about Billy Garen, it's Lou Lamorello. It's not supposed to make sense. Um, <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, fantasy corner. Before we wrap up here, quick boys. No, let's skip the next week. Okay. This has been. This episode's been too long. <laughs> all right. Sounds good. Okay. Uh, thanks for listening to this one. A lot of big deals today and uh, in the uh, subsequent days before that. So uh, looking forward to the rest of the week and Friday as well, if there are any deals left uh, for Trade Center on TSN. And uh, looking forward to uh, the deadline on Friday at 3 Eastern. So thanks for listening to episode 161. Looking forward to the rest of the stretch. And... Uh, Thanks so much again. Cheers. This has been another episode of Boys in the Booth with Harper Cody, Chad Melbourne, and Casey Abrams. Connect with the Boys in the Booth on Instagram, Facebook, and YouTube at Boys in the Booth. Visit boysinthebooth.com for show details. And don't forget, you can become a patron of the podcast for just $1 a month at patreon.com slash boysinthebooth.